0: hey metal dave here along with my co-host jason mcmaster and welcome to another episode of the talk louder podcast today we are going to geek out on the subject of hair metal or at least i'm going to geek out on the topic of hair metal because uh it comes as no surprise to anyone who knows me i love the genre um it often gets dismissed for allegedly uh having more style over substance in some cases, but uh, regardless, the genre gave us some great singers, some great lead guitar players, some great music, some great bands. We're gonna get into all that in just a bit. Uh, but first, let me bring in Jason.
1: What's going on with you, man? I, uh, I'm i good. How, how are you doing good?
0: Doing great. Uh, fully recovered after the ice storm and back to normal. Uh, temperatures are, back to being pleasant and, uh, the house survived. So no complaints on my end.
1: Yeah. Same thing is happening over here. Um, I have been enjoying my recent score of what I call a, uh, Royal flush by way of merciful fate and King diamond, which I know I shared on a previous episode, but you know, uh, we, we tape, we tape our, these, we, the, we tape these episodes, um, with literally no moss gathering, so I haven't been able to get through uh, I'm that the needle on my stylus is busy right I'm yeah flipping records I'm playing King Diamond DJ over here and uh, it's been a lot of fun revisiting that stuff uh, as you know some of that stuff I already had in my collection right but there were a lot of missing elements so i'm happily uh I'm happy with my new uh, acquisition.
2: Nice. Yeah. Nice.
1: And, uh, just been, just been digging that. And, uh, that, I uh, wanted to mention that, uh, not to plug it one more time, but one last time, but that, um, that show where I did, uh, those songs with dead bird out of Arkansas, uh, that aired last night and i forgot to mention that there were about four including myself there were about four different artists from austin in that show which aired on the arkansas times uh youtube page oh wow and and i gotta say it was really well done so hats off to um that group of uh like mainly little rock musicians and bands uh singers and songwriters a lot of it was was over the top metal stuff but there were a couple of sort of singer-songwriter guys and, yeah uh, it was it was very interesting i i was i was tapping into it um off and on and it was it was great the austin artists that were on there were Ungrieved, uh black ops um oh man it's it's, it's escaping me right now uh there were like two more yeah and uh and i was i was pleasantly surprised uh to come late to realize that you know shit, half this shows half of austin so <laughs> uh, that made me happy that- yeah
0: so is it captured somewhere that if, uh listeners can find
1: it, it on the on the internet and watch it, it back it's streaming it's this the arkansas times uh, which is I, I'm guessing is a Little Rock news, newspaper uh, YouTube page. If you just go to YouTube and and search Arkansas Times, it comes right up. And the, uh, let's see if I can find it. Let's see. Yeah, it's called Mutants 3, Revenge of the Mutants, is the name of the, the stream. Nice. M-U-T-A-N-T-S, Mutants, and Roman, you know, Roman numeral 3, Revenge of the Mutants, and uh, man, it came out really good. It, like I said, it's a production; it was all pre-recorded. Ninety um, percent of the performances were actually live uh, and recorded by uh, the bands themselves, with cool. some production uh, um, with some production value added in later in post-production by by the Deadbird people. So cool. anyway, that was really cool, and, like I said previous uh, you know, I did one, a dead bird song, and i did they they covered a dangerous toys song, feels like a hammer, which doesn't even get played live anymore, so it's kind of a treat oh, cool uh, cool for for toys fans and for you know the class of eighty nine if you will
0: yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Listeners will have to go check that out. I'll need to check that out myself because I missed it when it went live, but I'll watch a playback version of it It, here at
1: some point. Not for the faint at heart, because like I said, a lot (laughs) of it is like this crushing doom sludgy kind of metal. Yeah. Everything tuned to C, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) C or lower kind of thing. Nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've, I've been listening to uh, a new song came out earlier this week by a band called Sun Bomb. And uh, for those who aren't aware, it's a new project that features Tracy Guns on guitar and Michael Sweet, uh, the vocalist from Striper. And uh, they, they leaked out a, uh, the single. Uh, the album I don't think is due until May. Um, but there's one song available, uh, it's called, uh, No Tomorrows and, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, uh, uh, they, they admit in the press release in the promo materials that it's a little more metal. Um, it's kind of, it's got some influences of Judas Priest and Black Sabbath and Ronnie James Dio, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little more metal than you're expecting from those two guys, um, the one track, uh, No Tomorrows, is kind of, it, it almost has a little bit of a power metal kind of vibe to it, uh, but not over the top. And uh, it's pretty interesting. The the drummer on the new album is uh, Adam Hamilton, who, uh, he was actually the bass player in L.A. Guns from about 2000 to 2007 or something like that. Uh, he played on the uh, Waking the dead and uh uh, tales from the strip albums and um anyway adam's an interesting guy uh he uh isn't so much a performer these days as much as he is a producer so he's got a studio at his house or or nearby i want to say he's out in l.a he's somewhere in california Um, but he's worked with some pretty pretty impressive names Uh, uh, not the least of which is uh, he recorded and produced the, uh, some albums by uh, William Shatner, who's Captain Kirk from Star Trek. <laughs> and he also did an album with David Hasselhoff. Uh, he's worked with Billy Gibbons. He's worked with L.A. Guns. Um, so he's kind of really made a name for himself in recent years as a producer, but he's also a talented musician. He plays drums on this uh, Sun Bomb album. And back in the day, he played drums for C.C. Uh, DeVille back when he had that band, Samantha Seven, I believe it was called.
1: Um, just to be clear, in L.A. Guns, he didn't play drums, did
0: he? No, he played bass.
1: That's what I thought because yeah. I uh, think Broken Teeth, we did some gigs with L.A. Guns during his era. Yeah. And uh, that's when I sort of got to have a nice chat with him. That was the only time I really got to chat with him. And I, I just wanted. to throw this out there. He was the nicest guy in the room.
0: Totally, man, for sure. I met him in San Antonio. And uh, he quickly, uh, he was so welcoming and so nice. And uh, he asked for my email address. And he stayed in touch ever since which is which is pretty incredible. And uh, he's just a real sweetheart of a guy. You're absolutely right. Totally, totally. uh, Sweetheart of a
1: guy. He took my my creds and he and he mailed me a care package and i'll never forget that because he was just shirt off his back it yeah just happened to be an la guns shirt that he sent me
0: yeah yeah great guy um so he plays drums on this there's a guy named mitch davis that's the bass player and uh, johnny martin who is the current bass player in la guns plays on one track so anyway, the project's called Sun Bomb. Uh, it's Tracy Guns and Michael Sweet, and uh, it's kind of like I said, got a little bit of a Judas Priest, Ronnie James Dio type of vibe. So, well, that sounds... I I want
1: to hear it now because uh, you're saying all the magic words. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Sweet is one of the most talented p- talented people in the rock genre, and he sings and plays his ass off. He is so talented and it yeah. was, was stylistic. I love the name Sun Bomb, that's great.
0: Yeah, I have
1: to I have to confess, I feel bad
0: that I was never much of a Striper fan and and it's it's surely because I just never gave them a chance. I couldn't quite get past all the squeaky clean image and the positive message and the religious overtones and that's on me, I mean, that's, that's not fair. But uh, my point is I'm not real familiar with their catalog. Um, I'm familiar with their history and who they are, of course but uh, was never really a fan of the music. But um, in this project, he really does. He's got some pipes and uh, and he sounds great on the one song I've heard. So I'm looking forward to hearing more because I'm a huge Tracy Guns fan. So uh, we'll see what the rest of the album sounds like as the songs start to trickle out. But there you go, folks, check it out. Sun Bomb featuring Tracy Guns and Michael Sweet. <laughs> Today we are talking about hair metal, the often maligned genre of music that uh, came out in the '80s. Uh, people associate it with the Hollywood Sunset Strip. Uh, they associate it with big hair. They associate it with spandex and, uh, you know, a lot of flash. And uh, because of all those things, it often kind of gets dismissed or, or belittled or made fun of to a degree. But uh, I'm a huge fan of the genre. A lot of my favorite music came from that time period and from that scene. So um, I'm all about the early Motley Crue, the rats, the poisons, the um, you know, the L.A. guns, the quiet riots, that sort of thing. So no shame here. Um, What are your thoughts, Jason? You are actually in a band, Dangerous Toys, that often gets lumped into that category. So first, some thoughts on the genre in general and uh, your feelings on, uh, you know, your experience with dangerous toys during that time?
1: Well, personally, I hate the term. Yeah. (laughs) But it is a quick start to, uh, a grouping, if you will, that, uh, people don't know what else to call it because they are media babies. Right. And so they they immediately, uh, you know, are come are comfortable calling it hair metal because if you try to change the, the way that they think about what it is that they like, um, about hair metal, then the name doesn't work for them because it's ingrained. Uh, like twisted sister to me is not a hair metal band. They are a rock and roll band. Yeah. Um, they a lot of people would argue with this, but twisted sister is actually a little bit closer to what I, uh, would put what what i would say about motorhead than not that they yeah. are a rock and roll band yeah they yeah. are louder than your average rock and roll band they are <laughs> meaner and scruffier than your average rock and roll band you know when you said something earlier that uh hair metal might lean more towards style it, i wanted to be clear do you mean clothing you mean a look? Yeah, I kind other of... Other I, I, than yeah. substance, right. Well, yeah. substance to me will always win. Uh, and I'm sure... And I would like to think that you feel the same. Sure, yeah. Um, because even hair metal bands put out bad music. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, whether... You know, you can be the biggest fan of a band and then hear the new record and go, man, what happened? So... Everyone, everyone knows that feeling. Um, There, there, you know, back to what I was saying, I feel like there's bands that get lumped in. Uh, Luckily, Dangerous Toys, there is a demographic. I don't know if it's in the hundreds or even the, the tens (laughs) And, and much less the thousands of people who are Dangerous Toys fans who do not, they don't like it when someone lumps Dangerous Toys into into the genre of hair metal yeah that would be to to this i just call it a small demographic the small army yeah uh they 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 lump dangerous toys in with whatever junkyard and circus of power and rhino bucket and things yeah. like that would be because the people still who still lump the bands i just mentioned into hair metal yeah i i I don't know how you, we can't be friends anymore. Yeah. I'm kidding, <laughs> but you know, that's, you know what I mean? So yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry that's like calling ACDC hair metal because. Yeah. I mean, I mean let's, if you just called it eight, and this kind of goes to what I was saying a second ago, if you called it eighties metal Metallica is eighties metal. Yeah. So what, what, see what I'm saying? So I don't care what you call it. Um, you can call it glam if you want but see to me even like there's some rat songs and some cinderella songs that are not really glam songs to me yeah they could have been written by i don't know acdc and the rolling stones yeah so yeah. it's more of a timeless classic rock sound story. i've always always thought you know not to just look you know to pick a band Let's go ahead and pick a band. Let's pick Cinderella, since yeah. I'm on I'm on Cinderella. Are they a hair metal band? It's to me, it's arguable. I always thought that the name was terrible because of the when you listen to the record, it's not.
0: Uh, there's there's nothing wussy about it.
1: Right there's yeah. nothing. Uh, there's nothing that that uh, bothers me more about someone saying. Oh, I love hair metal. I love Cinderella. And then I'm listening to the song. It's like, are they hearing the same song that I'm hearing? (laughs) Yeah. Because it's, because like I said, it sounds like this, if Aerosmith, I mean, is Aerosmith a hair metal band? Do you see where I'm going with this? Right. Right. I don't think Aerosmith is a hair metal band. Right. I don't either. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's, uh, it's very strange to me. uh, You know,
0: well, the, the the genre gets associated with uh, you know bands like Motley Crue and Poison and Bon Jovi and that sort of thing. But within that same uh, time frame, as you mentioned, and I'm glad you did because I was going to make that point as well. There's almost this subcategory of bands that were signed and released albums during that same time, and they were on the radio and they had videos on MTV, but they were they were grittier. You know, it, it, the junkyards, the Rhino Buckets, the Dangerous Toys, Circus of Power uh uh you know sea hags band bands like that that had a more of a streetwise kind of gritty sound and an image too um you know the a lot of the hair metal bands uh were you know had the big hair and they were very the colors were very vibrant they kind of moved away from the standard issue denim and leather And they were wearing neon greens and one guy in the band had to have a headband and, you know, uh, the jackets had all these fringy spangles on them and stuff. And, you know, uh, bands that were already established that were still active during that era, they weren't immune to it either. Because I can remember seeing pictures of Saxon and Crocus and Judas Priest and they all traded in their denim and leather at some point during the 80s and had... The white, you know, the white leather jacket and the and the big hair and the, the long overcoats with all the glitter and glam on it, you know?
1: Yeah, while um, we're while we're talking about it, I also I also remember Dave Mustaine wearing this quite I'll just be frank. Sorry, Dave, uh <laughs> fringe. Like he was wearing these fringed like long fringe, like yeah. Bon Jovi fringe.
2: Yeah, I remember. Leather
1: jackets on stage and in videos and stuff. And I'm like, man, that's that's crazy. It's so not thrash metal at yeah. all. But I feel like there was something about it that, um, you know, I don't want to say he was being pressured into it, but it just could have been like a, in the water. You know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, somewhere in somebody in his, in his head, one of the voices in his head said, uh, yeah, you need this jacket. This will be good in the <laughs> video kind of thing. But now when I, you know, when I saw it, even when I saw it, I was just like, "That that's weird. It's kind of like, um, and I'm guilty of this too. I've actually got a photo where me and Mike Watson from Dana's toys were up at MTV studios and we did a thing, a promo thing for the, Shocker movie soundtrack and Megadeth and Alice Cooper and we did a Halloween special. Da 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 Anyway, in the photo, me and Dave Mustaine are both wearing like a half shirt. Our, our midriff is showing. My God! Know? And it's just, I'm going. Me, My
0: eyes are Dave, burning just Dave, thinking about me, that. Me
1: and Dave Mustaine were not. We're not really. <laughs> we, we were cool because we we're thinking the same thing that we thought that was cool, but. It's not cool. Yeah, I feel like Chachi, you know, wore that. Uh, yeah, welcome back, hotter. I don't, even know, had, or I don't something. even know if exactly. Juan <laughs> Epstein wore that. You know. Uh, yeah. I'm, we're dating ourselves here, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, you you know, but I uh, I think that just bad clothes are bad clothes, and you just don't know until you just know. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. So, so there were great bands that ne- didn't necessarily fit the mold. Uh, but then let's go. Let's talk about the bands that actually not only fit the mold, but but pretty much defined it. And and uh, and those would be your your Motley Crue's and your Poisons and your Bon Jovi and Warrant and things like that. Um, do you uh, find any? Redeeming musical value in in any of those bands, I know it's not your typical style, but 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 surely you've got to like you know the occasional Motley Crue song or a, a, maybe a warrant tune or a Docking song or anything. You, are you is any of that in your guilty pleasure
1: uh, I, I, collection? I thanks for calling me out, Dave. Uh, <laughs> the,
0: uh, what are friends I would, for? I wouldn't right? even
1: call it a guilty pleasure. I I would I would say you know. Um, you know, I like metal, I like rock and roll. So what's in between, you know, whatever genres, you know, the writers at Rolling Stone have come up with this week, you know, yeah. we can thank them for the term grunge, just like we can thank them for the term hair metal. Yeah. And, um, I pretty much worship at the coattails of, uh, Dee Snider. And I think that he... Will call Motorhead a metal band only because of the attitude of Motorhead. Yeah. But he yeah. knows that, much like Twisted Sister, Motorhead is a rock and roll band. Yeah. Uh, it's blues played faster and louder than anybody, any other blues you've heard before. That's <laughs> it's just rock and roll. That's what rock and roll is. Right, so, right. So, so yes, I mean, there would be a lot of people that wouldn't give a band like warrant the time of day, but I've done shows with warrant, uh, with the toys, uh, you know, throughout the years, multiple times and they're so talented and such a great rock and roll band. Yeah. uh, You you can, you can make fun of their clothes all you want. Uh, but when you just meet the people and hear them and see them play their songs, they're great so yeah. that means more to me than than just having to hear cherry pie and kind of having a laugh at cherry pie you know? yeah yeah which is uh even the guys in warren are like oh geez cherry pies are going to be our biggest song in it oh shit here it is that's our <laughs> song, you know right, uh, right and that and it it happens you know yeah i don't have to i guess i have to quote lemmy again be careful what great mistakes you made you make along the way because that might be your claim to fame that might yeah. the biggest yeah. shining moment is that great mistake that you made so uh huh. you know i i think i i've already said i i love cinderella i just hate the band name and i don't yeah. know why they were wearing all that stuff on the on the night songs cover because the record just didn't sound to me like it. I mean, I get it. They were wearing boas, but that's because they were trying to be Aerosmith. Yeah. Um, once you get past that, it's not relative to, to hair metal to me. I just think that lack for better terminology is yeah. what we're kind of arguing here. Yeah. Uh, but the bands I mentioned before, that sort of like a stable of uh, dirty rock and roll bands like like raging slab and circus of power over on the east coast and 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 even bang tango and uh, can can roll in there a little bit with uh bang tango might fall a little bit more into where la guns and maybe pussycat were but not by yeah. much um and, and even faster pussycat sounds um a little more uh just like closer to what hanoi rocks was i mean do they call hanoi rocks a hair metal band because they're it's different to me i don't know yeah. i don't know if i am confusing you or anybody else listening but there's uh, i i have I, I, I have a i have a qualms with the term more than i do with the music uh that would be under the genre name
2: yeah yeah. and and I think
0: maybe the the deciding factor, uh, I'm glad you brought up Cinderella. Um, I think maybe the deciding factor is, can you go back and listen to one of those albums today and find that it doesn't sound dated? and And if you listen to night songs or you listen to the first faster Pussycat album, um, I, I or you listen to any of the junkyard records. I'm not hearing, it doesn't scream 80s to me when I listen to it in the year 2021. But if I listen to like a Bon Jovi or a Poison or, or maybe a Warrant, um, I hear a certain polish or a certain cleanliness to the music or something that kind of transports me back to the 80s. It's kind of got this slick 80s sound And that becomes sort of the identifying factor, and I think some of these other bands that we've mentioned, like the Rhino Buckets and the Junkyard Circus of Power, that sort of thing. You listen to their albums that came out in 89, 88, 87, or whatever. I feel like there's definitely um, a sound that's associated with 80s hair metal, and I think that has to do with the production in the studio and that sort of thing. So. You know, you put a Junkyard album up against a Poison album in the year 2021, even though both of those albums were released in 1980. And the Poison album, if it's not the first one, if it's, you know, open up and say, ah, for example, is going to sound much slicker than, than the Junkyard album. And I, and I think that's sort of a, a distinction that needs to be made, too.
1: I might, I might have an argument for you there. Go for it. Because of tone. Technology. I disagree, because okay. uh, because um, you know the tone of a junkyard song is not what you're talking about. You're talking about production. Am I clear? Yeah, I'm yeah, talking okay. about production. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so you know technology is going to give a little bit more of a shine to something that's recorded in more recent times than the old Poison record. Right. So, uh, you know, it all depends on on budget, too. And fans don't think about this. Uh, if, if you can hear all the instruments and the tones are pleasant, yet it's still knocking your ass in the dirt, Yeah. You know, I think that, that your junkyard record is the medicine that you need. And whatever anyone's getting out of a poison record, I'm a little bit uncertain of still after <laughs> all these years. But whatever they're getting out of it, if it still does the trick for you, doesn't matter when it was recorded. So I think that the thing that you're mentioning about it being polished does have to do with the band's preference on top of the producer they've hired if they did hire a producer that's within budget. Yeah. And uh, because they're going for a certain tone, a certain way it's mixed. Uh, Interesting side note, I was listening to an interview with, uh, uh, Tony Platt, who mixed highway to hell and back in black yeah. and, uh, he didn't record or engineer, but he just mixed. And the way those records sound, I don't care who you are, hair metal or heavy metal or whatever, those records are polished, but yeah. I feel like they're polished by, by, you know, to, to, to an extent. Like you still want that kind of nar nar thing going on when you hear Brian Johnson or even Bon Scott's voice. When you think about beating around the bush and you think about hell's bells and what's going on there, I think that, you know, there has to be some grit. Yeah. Even it doesn't matter uh, how many lollipops and flowers you lay on top of it. I think that, you know, what you're looking, anyway, that's sort of set a standard for what it is, the hard rock, you know, eighties metal and hard rock genres actually sought or were sought after when you're just a, a person in a rock band and you, you, of course you have back in black and highway to hell and you're in your hip pocket as a sure. deserted Island choices.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, you're rock and roll to kind of have some of that going on in it. So yeah, uh, whether you think that, uh, you know, highway to hell and, and, and back and black are polished or not? I do, but I also think they kick you in the butt too. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's interesting that you brought up budget because two of the bands that are considered uh, the leaders or the forerunners of the whole hair metal genre, those being uh, Poison and Motley Crue. If you listen to their first their first album. Uh, ...each of their first albums, they were on such a shoestring budget, those albums don't sound hair metal at all. They sound like garage punk, slop, you know, in a good way. And it's just interesting that they became, they kind of became the poster boys for what was, uh, became known as hair metal. But if you listen to those first two records, there ain't nothing sugarcoated about them. You know, they're, they're pretty raw, uh, out of necessity. And I, and I, and I love them for that, but, uh. That's
1: back, that's back when those, they were just called rock and roll bands too. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. Just, just to I, say the point, Poison's been around long enough now to where you could just look at the, 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 the timeline of, of their releases and hear how the production changed. Yeah. You're how, well, the same with Motley Crue, just like you could do any band before, um, you know, what, what genre, what, what box they were shoved into without their, even their, you know, you, a band doesn't have a choice as to where they're going to be, you know, categorized. So yeah. You, yeah. Just write, you just write the songs. Hey, it's like, Hey, I don't know, man, I just work here. It's, it's, that, yeah. whole, it's that whole <laughs> thing. So. Yeah. I, I,
0: I think, you know i don't want to I, I don't want to lay the blame uh, and it's not blame but I, I i'm wondering if hair metal would even be a term if it wasn't for the massive success of bon jovi because <laughs> i feel like once bon jovi blew up then every band every record producer they all wanted to look the part sound the part uh they, their videos all looked the same and it kind of became the recipe that everybody else followed if they wanted to go down that path and a lot of them did and a lot of them maybe were coerced into that path. Uh, by labels or management or whatever, uh, but I feel like Bon Jovi the explosion of Bon Jovi was sort of what started what became, you know, the hair metal genre in, in both look and sound and style and, and that sort of thing.
1: Well, but, I also feel like, uh, you know, this is not, I'm not really changing the subject here. When I talk about Headbangers Ball on MTV, well, they were playing Poison and they were playing Bon Jovi on Headbangers Ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, because
0: there was a time when that stuff was considered metal, you know, it was called heavy metal before, maybe before the, the term uh, hair metal came came along you know, there was, there was a time when anything with an electric guitar and long hair was considered heavy metal, you know? And I think that was, you know, you might be able to, that might stem from the success of Quiet Riot. You know, they had that blockbuster record. The, the, the word metal was in the title and,
1: and everybody um, has hair. So every, yeah, everybody has make, long hair. Let's mess it up for everybody, you know, yeah. just, just hey, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, any, you know, there's a lot of long-haired people playing, you know, so Willie Nelson is hair metal. He plays guitar, <laughs> has long hair. This is the problem I have. So calling, you know, MTV calling it Headbangers Ball, I understand why they would call it Headbangers Ball. But, yeah, But me personally, just personally, people, can, if they're going to get mad, get mad at me because, you know, obviously I'm, I'm outnumbered. Yeah. The, the, the term headbanger. That yep. that is a generic term. I realize that. That's a, it's supposed to be a a s- sort of a stereotype, if you will. Yeah, it's like hair metal is a stereotype. I come from the land of dinosaurs. That if you were called a headbanger, it was a compliment. Yeah, if you were called a headbanger and you were, and that person in the photograph was wearing. I'm using just using terminology. They're just words. I didn't make them up a hair metal band t-shirt and someone called them a headbanger. I don't like it because, because whoever was calling that person a headbanger, I would call them wrong. I would say wrong, wrong, but they're not wrong. They're not wrong. Yeah. Because of the how dumbed down it's all become. And so when, when uh, there's a show, Headbangers Ball and S.O.D., is the intro music and then a bon jovi song comes on this is where i'm walking out of the room
0: somebody missed the boat there yeah well you
1: see why no they didn't they're spot on because of how generic and how it's like you don't call an energy drink rock star because that killed the rock star there's no more rock stars anymore because because of the the dumb and the numb down of everything can you tell i'm bitter (laughs) <laughs> so so anyway it's just the way that i learned and and perceived it and took it all in is the issues that i have but they're my issues everyone they're not they may not be your issues Right.
0: i, I think anybody that's a fan you, you know me you and a bunch of our friends uh, anyone listening to this podcast um you're gonna f- realize that uh Tags and categories are just that—they're cut to the chase descriptors yeah. Yeah. that uh, I've mentioned before are not always entirely accurate. Yeah, uh, but they're a way to cut to the chase. They're the way to put something in a box, you know, yeah. and and there you go. So uh, usually, it's funny. Go ahead. Funny, it's funny that you bring up uh, Headbangers Ball because uh, something that's burned in my brain, and I bet you could look this up on YouTube. Um, back when headbangers ball was hosted by adam curry instead of ricky rackman you remember this of course and uh uh adam curry was was more of a pretty boy you know he had the blow-dried hair and the wardrobe and everything he didn't well
1: he's he's from new jersey so
0: he didn't look very he didn't look authentic as as, not as authentic as ricky rackman he
1: looked like he looked like he was friends with bon jovi because he was Yeah, his wardrobe looked like he borrowed it from john.
0: So yeah, well, speaking of his wardrobe. So here's my point. Uh, He was hosting uh, headbangers ball one time. And I want to say it was Scott Ian was in the studio as a guest. And Adam Curry is wearing a leather jacket with all these pins on it and stuff and you know, trying to look the part of the metal head or whatever. And Scott Ian points out uh, one of the pins on his jacket and it was the band Halloween. And Scott says, Oh that's a really cool Halloween pin. And Adam said something to the effect of I don't know anything about it you'd have to ask wardrobe.
1: <laughs> oh that I love it. See I mean he just he
0: just laid it bare, he man. He just confessed he right God. there. Yeah,
1: he's being real and that's what I appreciate about um you know you know DJs and VJs is when they don't know and they can just not try to play it off. That's respectful. That's yeah. respectful. Um, so what do
0: you what do you make of what do you make of the band, some of the bands I mentioned earlier uh, that were already established and then sort of change their image to sort of fit in with the times? You know, I mentioned Saxon and Crocus and Judas Priest, and uh, I'm sure there's there's many others, but these were acts that already had albums out and. Uh, in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties, they had already established an identity, you know, they already established a look. And then hair metal becomes the fashion of the day. And suddenly these guys are all literally changing their colors. What do you make of that?
1: They're following trends. You know, they're just, it's as simple as that. And I don't think that they even realized that you know their their new jacket was uh had been modernized or something they just saw it and they were or someone gave it to them or they whatever it was i don't like i don't really like it that we're talking about the clothing because yeah the music, the music changed too yeah it did, it did. yeah uh, and um it wasn't <clears throat> i sort of i sort of I I love anything and everything Judas Priest, and I could talk about Judas Priest for, you know, 24-7, but there were times where there was some sort of, uh, I feel like, uh, identity crisis. Um, I feel like uh, a band that may or may not have had some sort of identity crisis that just kind of, it worked the entire time, and that was a band, the, The Scorpions that fit the, uh, wh- where you're coming from had an entire catalog that was released prior to 1980. Yeah. Yeah. Had an entire catalog that kept going through the decades. Right. And one of the greatest rock and roll bands notice I did not say hair metal Yeah. Uh, ever. And, yeah. uh, I feel like them sort of following the trends or since they're a German metal band, uh kind of fall into the uh you know we're following the trends but it's not really changing the way that we are i think that as early as even uh, love drive and uh, animal magnetism and then love it for sting uh those records were forming the new scorpions yeah or fans very eyes and yet they were still playing their old stuff mixed in live. Yeah. And it really, just like Judas Priest. Yeah. But I feel like the leather and studs Judas Priest is just a preference that I have, as opposed to leather and studs with uh multicolored fringe and mixed in sort of a you know, hey, let's put some splashes of color in in what it is you guys are doing, and yeah, and it was just a little too bright. Um, I thought it was pretty wild that Halford grew his hair back out. Yeah, remember that?
2: Yeah, yeah, slick it, it back.
1: Was, yeah, it was very interesting, and I guess that would have been Ram it down, eighty eight turbo, turbo, yeah, turbo, and yeah, and Ram it down. And those are not my favorite Judas Priest moments and just yeah. look at this you could call it this the same with the scorpions. I just feel like it feel like the scorpions fared a lot better with the yeah. trend following and the changes because it didn't really affect where the scorpions kind of were already going.
2: Yeah.
0: good call. Uh, that's yeah, a great think, that's a great point. I, yeah. And
1: I think so too, but uh you know Ju- Judas Priest uh is lumped in with Hair Metal too, by the way.
0: Yeah, they are. They, well, they were, they were an active band in the 80s, and I think anybody in the 80s, and they didn't do themselves any favor by, you know, uh, the wardrobe around the turbo era. And, you know, let's not forget, uh, they also introduced the synthesizers, became a, a, a big part of their music at that point. So, again, maybe catering a little bit to the expected sound of that, that time period,
1: it's i don't very, know very possible you know personally when i think of uh, these bands i don't think about those records or those times i think about the classic hits and yeah. as well as all the deep cuts that i'm in love with but those usually don't get a lot of play unless you're you know belong to a group of dinosaurs which i do where yeah. we we'll talk about what's your favorite song that's not living after midnight you know what right, I mean, right right or whatever, or whatever uh and then and then i i you know i think about like queens same at the same time there were keyboards you know yeah right as far as i recall had a lot of keyboards and synthesizers on uh uh on their later records or their late 80s uh records you know yeah. crime and things like that i feel like were probably their peak moments so with the trends that were being followed it really worked out for a lot of them yeah and and i think that 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 made a lot of the the early 80s metal that i was into sort of trans translate to the trends that were being followed which is kind of—I'm surprised. This—I'm this realization as I talk about it, I'm like, you know, my eyes are popping open. It's like, it's, wow, it kind of really worked out for some. Yeah. Um, I—you I, nailed
0: it with the Scorpions. I mean, that's a band that has weathered all kinds of trends and fashion and and musical taste and whatever, and they've done it all very, very well. I mean, they you know, you can look into the 70s catalog, you can look into the 80s catalog, and, and you can look into the current catalog, and they really have very few things to be embarrassed about. I mean, they, they just, they managed to kind of make a little tweak here or a little tweak there to sort of fit in with what was expected of the day, but they never really threw in the towel all the way, you know, they, they never really quite caved in and gave up, they were or or what they had already established i want
1: to i want to put the the uh the scoop of ice cream on top and say white snake same same exact thing had an entire catalog in the 70s um, coverdale's involvement with uh, deep purple and then just becoming pretty much an mtv god yeah the new and improved white snake where everyone had you know, uh, they went and got their hair did and they, right. they, put on, they put on a bunch of colors and, and, uh, he had, <clears throat> he had basically, he being Coverdale had fired the original Whitesnake and got all these pretty guys, uh, to play, uh, to play in Whitesnake, uh, um, yeah. I mean, Tommy Aldridge is not that pretty, but <laughs> he's one of the most badass drummers in the world. Yeah, sure. He was able. He was in the back, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I love Tommy Aldridge, and he's been around forever. Yeah. So yeah. You know, there's some there's some pretty dinosaurs out there, and uh, he's one of them. And then Rudy Sarzo was also involved in that, but dude. He had like talk, it was Whitesnake became a super group when he did that. Yeah. It wasn't the original Whitesnake where it's more, it's closer to deep purple, you know, right. it was closer to, uh, blues, heavy blue, British blues rock, you know, Yeah, and it, it had, uh, more of a polished, there's that word again thing. And it had a bunch of bright clothing and hairspray. Yeah. You
0: know? It's funny that you bring up Whitesnake, another classic example of a band that already had an established identity and you could kind of see that they were they were kind of heading in that direction anyway. Sure, they they catered to the cameras and to MTV and sprayed up the hair and put on the clothes, but the sound was kind of already moving in that direction. I don't think they overhauled their sound necessarily in order to fit in with the times it was kind of gently moving in that direction anyway
1: are you still talking white snake i'm sorry yeah white snake
0: yeah Yeah. and funny that you bring up uh white snake because uh i interviewed vivian campbell one time and i was asking him about you know joining the band and he told me that the band that became the the face of white snake during the 80s with rudy sarzo and vivian campbell and tommy aldridge coverdale um Uh, And uh, Adrian Vandenberg. Um, He said, (laughs) Vivian told me that those guys had never even stood in the same room until they showed up to shoot the video for Still of the Night. That was the first time all those guys gathered in one place. You know, usually it's, uh, you gather in the rehearsal, you know, the rehearsal hall or the recording studio or whatever. It was like, nope, we all met on the video shoot. That's how pre-packaged that was.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So they, that must've, well, that, that's, that makes it an obvious that, uh, well, I've got Vivian coming in to cut his parts at five o'clock and I've got Adrian Vandenberg coming in three days (laughs) later to cut his part and then we're gonna do some vocals later on. Yeah, so everyone's coming in different. So who who knows? It could have been uh, you know, scratch tracks played by one of them and uh, then you know drum drums, you know, with the drummer and then uh, who, who knows, man. That would be a cool that would be a cool article to read is how how that that white snake record from eighty eight
0: yeah it's uh it's pretty well documented it, it is a lot of behind the scenes session work and guys that uh didn't weren't listed on the album cover and certainly weren't uh, in the mtv video um, right. you know they weren't pretty enough and that was you know uh coverdale and everybody involved in that band will will admit just tell you straight up that's you know we repackaged the band to uh, to look good for MTV because MTV was where you needed to be in those in in during the eighties to help sell records. What
1: about what about John Sykes? I mean, he would have fit in that. I wonder what the falling out was with him and Coverdale because he would have worked. He could have he could have yeah. stayed, and then they wouldn't have had to. He wouldn't have had to go get Vivian or Adrian. He could have just gotten one or the one of those guys instead of both, and yeah maybe who knows the backstory behind Sykes but he was on that Slided In record and I saw them on that tour and it was incredible
0: yeah I saw it too uh and that was a great album and Sykes is a great player and I wouldn't call
1: it hair metal
0: no I wouldn't either it's funny you know you started this whole conversation by bringing up Twisted Sister and you know they uh get Plastered all over the place whenever the uh, the topic is hair metal, and D. Snyder is sort of the face of the genre in some in some ways. But uh, I don't consider them hair metal at all. They 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 brightened up their wardrobe. They weren't wearing the denim cut off denim jackets anymore. Um, but I've always thought they were a much tougher, grittier. Hard rock band, and when you got a singer like D, who's got that very muscular vocal tone, they just sound tougher than the average hair metal band.
2: But man, if
1: if you talk to someone, if you talk to someone from New York, from the island, from Long Island, from from the early club days in like the mid '70s and you you and you talk to someone who was at all of those early twisted sister shows when they were doing matinees and stuff doing two and three shows yeah like every friday night um you could almost hear this person say yeah they they might as well been an acdc tribute band yeah which was unheard of back then to use the word tribute band but but because they just, they, they worshiped AC/DC, and when then when they heard Motorhead, they were all into Motorhead. Yeah. And they, they, every time the first time Motorhead played New York, those guys were all there worshiping and befriending Motorhead, the original, well, the Ace of Spades lineup. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that was a long friendship. Yeah. Yeah. It sure that was, was. A long that, that, that came into like eddie was involved in production played song recorded with them produced their first ep i believe uh, need a fact checker for that but there's a long motorhead twisted sister relationship going on
2: there yeah yeah uh, uh,
0: i remember reading a story where twisted sister went to england and the crowd uh, to open for Motorhead, and the crowd was being very impatient with Twisted Sister and didn't like their look and just was, you know, practically throwing stuff at them. Uh, and and Lemmy came out and got on the mic and said, "These are our friends, you know. This is I'm proud to have these guys all the way from New York. Please welcome my friends, Twisted Sister." And then all of a sudden, that was like the stamp of approval. And so Lemmy, you know, embraced. Twisted Sister, and it was a mutual friendship, like you said, and it lasted until uh, Lemmy passed away. But yeah, uh, definitely Twisted Sister, you know, they were all over MTV and Dee Snider's face was all over the media and everything, but they definitely had more in common with Motorhead and ACDC than they did with, you know, what is commonly referred to as hair metal. So let me ask you, uh, what, if I had to put you on the spot, which band that falls into the hair metal genre would you say is your favorite?
1: I like the question. Um, there are a lot of bands that, uh, you know, a lot of those bands I, I've shared stages with. And I've got to see them, like the Warrant story I told earlier. They, you know, they were a great, well-oiled machine. And they, they can play their instruments and just super talented. And I only know from the original Warrant, you know, with Janie Lane. Yeah. And they were, they were, they were so nice to us. They, uh, you know, I, I wasn't that excited to do shows with them because I didn't really, you know, it wasn't really my thing. I was listening to Merciful Fate and Motorhead. Yeah. Cider <laughs> or something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, these guys are super nice and damn, they could play. And yeah. there were a couple of good songs, but you know, there were, a, there were, I, I like, um, if I'm going to pick a song, um, you know, and it's more like, it's almost like a version. It's almost like a power ballad, but uh, House of Pain by uh, Faster Pussycat. Yeah. Yeah we, yeah. we were on the road with them uh, in Europe when they were uh, Wake Me When It's Over tour. And uh, that song still is, I think it's a great song. It could be, it could kind of be a country song.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: Where it's sort of a timeless, very well written, not hard to play, uh, sort of almost a Bob Dylan type of a folky type of a song. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's important. There there's a bunch of them. I mean, um is if Wasp is hair metal, uh they're they're more of a heavy metal band, but Yeah,
0: I'm glad yeah, you brought lot, them up.
1: A lot of people are going to call Wasp a uh a hair metal band.
2: Yeah. I'm and, glad you brought uh, them up.
1: I don't really like uh, Blind in Texas. That sounds like a sin because here we are in born, Texas. born and bred in Texas, but <laughs> that's not their best moment. Yeah. I absolutely love their first record. I love Sleeping in the Fire. Once again. Awesome song. Oh my God. It's so evil. Yeah. And it's a power ballad. How can a yeah. power ballad be evil? Yeah. Uh, all Blackie's fault. He's just so good at that sounding just gnarly like that. Yeah. Um, But I love, you know, the old, like, uh, fuck like a beast and um, just, you know, Tormentor and Love Machine and stuff like that. And, you know, Wasp toured with Slayer.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, here we are talking about hair metal and we can talk about Slayer. Uh, (laughs) Meanwhile, you know, like Slayer and Metallica are, are from Los Angeles. And they were really trying to, you know, shun any like it was just everything was a poser you're a poser if you have to spray your hair up and put on bright colored clothing to feel like you can go do a gig
2: yeah yeah uh,
1: they were really anti that that you know but they were also 17 and 18 years old and they just angry young teenagers and i we all can relate and fit into what it is they're saying in the meantime, are we a poser because we like Wasp, you know? Yeah. So there were probably people going to see Slayer and Wasp, but I would imagine there would be a Slayer demographic that was like, you know, poser, you're a poser. You got too yeah. much to pick up on. Hey, what are you doing after the show? You know, kind of, Yeah, yeah. Kind of the thing when Wasp was playing, but Wasp, Wasp yeah, was I'm... a heavy band. so yeah.
0: I'm glad They're, you bring them up because they do get lumped into the hair metal genre. And and that brings me to two other bands off the top of my head that often get lumped in with the the hair metal uh, category, but they were very much metal bands and that would be um, Armored Saint and Lizzie Borden. They also kind of got thrown in there. That is not
1: he- That's not heavy metal. If anything, it's power metal or even rock and roll. Like Armored Saint has metal riffs, but... You know, is, you know, the way that people would call Ozzy, Ozzy, you know, Blizzard of Oz and uh, Ozzy Osbourne his solo band. That's not power metal and that's not heavy metal and it's not hair metal. It's closer to a heavy metal than anything. Well, I put Armored Saint right next to what some people would struggle to call Ozzy Osbourne's music. Yeah. Well, I,
0: they they were one of those bands that I remember that had a tough time trying to distance themselves from, you know, they're trying to do gigs around L.A. and they're getting paired up with Poison and Warrant and stuff like that. I don't know if that's, uh, if that's an actual fact, but I remember reading interviews with the Armored Saint guys going where because it was the 80s and they were in L.A. and every band in L.A. was a hair metal band, they were having a hard time, you know, Finding bills that made sense and 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 trying to distance themselves from the flavor of the week because they weren't all of that, you know. They looked right. like Mad Max, and well, they were. I, can, a- I
1: I can relate, and uh, you know the fact that they were one of the they were accepted into the. Oh, you know, you 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 guys have hair and you play metal, but you're not a hair metal band, so you can play with Metallica club. Yeah, they were in that club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they they could escape, but, you know, Armored Saint toured with all those hair metal bands, just like Slayer did, Uh, you know, Metallica toured with Wasp. So maybe Wasp was sort of the the breaking point, you know, sort of a gateway band to someone liking, you know, it to be a little bit more uh, costumey and and theatrical. You know, and Kissy and Alice coopery yeah, not words. I sound still like a (laughs) like I'm talking baby talk, but just to prove the point, yeah. But I think that Wasp was kind of a gateway band from, you know, I'm going to throw up and say hair metal, into what would just be heavy metal or or even early thrash metal.
0: Yeah, kind of where we are. They kind of bridged the gap. They kind in some ways they had a foot in both. You know. in in both but um yeah um and uh you know you mentioned ozzy just a minute ago there's another classic example of a guy who was clearly established as one thing and then here comes the 80s and he's on mtv with his hair sprayed up and he's wearing a yellow glittery jacket and has a little sash hanging off of his microphone and everything so he's another guy that kind of felt obligated maybe to sort of uh cater to the times to some degree
1: It was a confusing, it was a confusing time. I don't, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but it was, I I want to just underline what I feel like you think, where I think you're going. It's confusing, like bridging the gap, I think is what we're talking about here. Yeah. Where, where Ozzy is all glammed up and everything, and he's the Prince of Darkness, but he's wearing a glittered trench coat. (laughs) What the fuck is that? Exactly. So that was confusing. And then, uh, but, but I want to, I want to sort of like mirror that sort of like weird time, you know, using Ozzy, I guess, as the example and Metallica is on the rise and Slayer is on the rise and it was a confusing time for hard rock and heavy metal fans because well, do I, do I like sequins, you know, trench coats or do I like holes in jeans played, you know, with metal played at the speed of light. Yeah. That are about darker t- you know there was a middle ground that people were having to oh i like it all i'm omnivorous and that's great well think about when dare i say hair metal again and then it and then it's switching over into grunge it's yeah. almost a mirrored time where the trend is the the wind is blowing the dollar bill somewhere else who's going to follow it so, yeah yeah
0: well, you know, we could talk at length about hair metal and all the subgenres that it spawned and all the, you know, the pros and cons of the, the wardrobe and the hairspray and all that stuff, but uh, I think some great music came out of that time period. Um, we got some great guitarists out of that era, you know, um, Vito Brada, George Lynch, Warren Demartini, Zach Wilde came along, there were some sort of some great players, another band that gets lumped into hair metal and maybe more rightfully so than some of the other bands, but was just a bang up bunch of musicians was Winger. I mean, they got beat up yeah. big time for being, uh, especially Kip, you know, he's a good looking guy. So they, and, and you know, they, they got beat up by the metal crowd for being too, uh, I don't know, not, not hard enough i guess but man everybody in that band is just a wicked musician
1: and uh yeah you know were, <clears throat> i always thought that they were better than docking yeah I mean, docking was at the party first yeah you and, know that's, that's, that's of. So, they were better than docking on a lot of levels they had a real singer yeah they yeah. had real musicians i'll just stop there yeah you know uh i
0: you know the genre is much maligned and and sometimes the bands themselves didn't do them any themselves any favors Mm -hmm. by their choice of wardrobe or whatever but uh i've always been a fan of a lot of stuff that gets called hair metal i love faster pussycat i love la guns i love the early motley cruise stuff so uh no shame here let's wrap this up and move into our final segment uh shot of rock and roll (laughs) So my shot of rock and roll for you today is, uh, you know, most people know your background as a singer, as a performer. Uh, they know the bands you've been in, that sort of thing. I wanted to ask you, um, as a singer, uh, we all know you're a you're a big fan of Bon Scott and Rob Halford and and many others, but. Is there a vocalist that served as an inspiration to you that might not, that might surprise us, let's say.
1: A vocal influence.
0: Yeah. That's Uh, maybe not so obvious.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that I'm wearing a lot of my, you know, my idols on my sleeve. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Especially if you listen to Broken Teeth, you know, there's, there's two guys that I'm kind of taking from. But every once in a while, even in Broken Teeth, I guess, uh, my Halford and my, uh, you know, Dan McCafferty and my, uh, you know, Steven Tyler kind of starts to come out. Yeah. Um, I really love Dee Snyder's voice. Guy is like one of the best front men, if not the best front man in the world. Yeah. Um. And, you know, who the hell did he learn it from is, uh, I'd like to ask him that, you know, who, who did you take from? Because he's been doing it, you know, as long as I've been alive Yeah. and, uh, I I, I'm trying to not, to not date, uh, D, but, um, you know, I love John Bush, a lot of just my vocabulary it really had like I said, I'm wearing it on my sleeve. A lot of my idols are in my vocabulary and I I use them as as pillars to look yeah. all all the time. Um but but not an obvious one, probably yeah. Elton John. Elton John, wow. Okay. Elton John as an influence. I feel like um when there is like a a certain tone that's happening in a song that's not you know where the vocal is not over the top or above the break as as a, a vocal term uh in a higher register that might have a little grit then it's a little more gnarly you know but like a stephen tyler you know what i mean like yeah when people, yeah when they say stephen tyler you think about this thing that's happening and when you say elton john you would think about a thing that's happening it it probably doesn't happen As often as people think when they think about my vocals, but it happens more than, than people think. Uh, and that's probably something where it's a little more croony sounding. Yeah. Um, maybe it happens more in maybe the toys than it does in broken teeth, you know? Yeah. Um, And it might even happen in, in, in things that uh, are just not as popular, like an igniter um, where it's uh, they might write it off as, Oh, he's kind of channeling Dio right there. When honestly, it's probably a little more Elton. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's a
1: bluesy, it's a bluesy thing. I'm doing little trills and maybe I'm holding this grind out for a while and it's in my middle to low register. So that's, something maybe you know if you're if interested you you could look for later and go mm, well, I wonder if that's what he was talking about and i'm not saying it sounds like elton john but it definitely is something that i probably picked up when i was younger you know just yeah. listening to elton every day cuz there was a lot of queen and elton john going on in my in my brain
0: yeah um <laughs> Good one. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't think a lot of people would immediately associate Elton John uh, with you uh, based on the music that you're known for. Uh, I have I've always known that you've been an Elton John fan, and a lot of your friends know that as well. But uh, to a lot of people out there listening, that might come as a surprise. That's exactly what I was looking for, something we might not guess about uh, your vocal
1: inspirations. Right, right. Um, my shot of rock and roll for you is in in your uh, your travels, I should say, maybe in it's I'm specific to the people that you've interviewed in the past. For those of you who don't know this already, most of you should. Um, David is a journalist, and uh, David Glesner, Metal Dave, is uh, the same guy, and he has been interviewing people pretty much for 15 to 20 years, maybe not that long. How long? 20.
2: 25, 25,
1: something like that. 25, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're, you know, with them, with a nickname like Metal Dave, everybody just is going to assume that everybody you've interviewed is a hard rock or a heavy metal person. What, what, uh, musicians that are non metal, uh, have you interviewed?
0: Oh, man good one um there's been a few uh you mentioned willie nelson earlier in this episode i've interviewed him
1: holy crap
0: yeah that's huge to me yeah he was actually he was actually on the golf course when uh when i called him (laughs) so he he did the interview from from a golf course somewhere on tour and uh we were talking, the reason for our discussion was, I believe, uh, his farm aid was, was about to happen. And,
1: uh, what year, know, uh,
0: it's since I lived in Austin. So I'm going to say it was around 97, 98, somewhere uh, okay. in there. Um, and I remember doing that interview because, uh, you know, of course who doesn't want to interview Willie Nelson, but I remember much like you said, most of my uh, interviews have been metal dudes and uh, rocker chicks and stuff like that. And I remember interviewing Willie Nelson thinking, now here's one my parents will actually be proud of.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: so uh, Willie Nelson comes to mind. I've also interviewed uh, Kenny
1: Rogers. Okay. Um, I interviewed there Larry gam- Gambler jokes. In um, no, but uh, it, it's uh,
0: funny yeah. that the the, the reason I interviewed him, and this was actually an in-person interview, he was, uh, I was living in Galveston at the time, and he had that show, his his song The Gambler turned into like a TV show that lasted for a couple seasons or something like that. And he was filming an episode in Galveston on the island when I lived there. So the newspaper I was working for at the time sent me down there to track him down and try and get an interview with, you know, this this legendary country Western superstar. And uh, so I went down there and if you're familiar with Galveston there's a theater called the Grand and it's a historical old theater and they were shooting some scenes in there. And um, uh, when he was done shooting scenes I got to stand on the stage there with him in, in the Grand and uh, ask him a few questions, uh, mostly about the show cause that was the, the purpose for me being there. Um, and his co-star oddly enough was, uh, oh God, what's her name? Uh, Dixie Carter, is that right? Dixie Carter, Uh, she was a TV star. I wanna say her name was Dixie Carter, but I interviewed her as well. And uh, in her dressing room, she was having her makeup put on and everything. Um, but yeah, so as far as musician musician interviews that aren't metal, Willie Nelson, Kenny Rogers, Larry Gatlin is another one that I interviewed. Wow,
1: man, these are these are not. This is not just some up and comer. You're 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 talking to living legends. Yeah, yeah, the, the, That's amazing.
0: Yeah, and so um, yeah, those were fun because I knew that my parents would get a kick out of that. My my parents aren't necessarily thrilled when I'm interviewing Blackie Lawless or whatever, but they can get behind a Willie Nelson interview.
1: Right. Well, we could do we could do a, uh, a talk louder country music episode now.
0: We should. That, that yeah. would be
1: A lot of fun, actually. I
0: grew up with that stuff around my house. My dad was a country western fan. So I grew right. up on the on the greats, you know, yeah, I and, think
1: that uh, I think that we need to talk offline about about the ideas and how we could uh, pertain that and how it even reflects to rock music.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, we will. Let's do that offline. Uh, For now, let's wrap this one up. I wanted to tell everyone out there listening to please do us a huge favor, hit that like button on our YouTube episodes. It really helps boost our ratings and grow the show, which is the whole purpose here. Uh, We love hearing from you. Leave your comments on our message boards. And Jason is again, teasing to some upcoming Talk Louder merch. We will be letting you know about that soon very soon, actually. Um, we've got some surprises for you, some merchandise, that sort of thing, and we'll let you know how to, how to acquire that. Uh, but anyway, thank you for listening. Hit that like button, subscribe, share, leave your comments on our various platforms. We love hearing from you and we will answer you back. So with that, Metal Dave Glessner here signing off along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast.